You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Lifelong Learning, featuring thought leaders in the field of continuing medical education. Lifelong Learning is presented in cooperation with the Alliance for Continuing Education in the Health Professions, the International Association of CME Professionals. Here's your host, Senior Vice President of Educational Strategy for Prova Education, Lawrence Sherman. The impact of live education and meetings on practicing physicians and healthcare professionals is going to be the topic today. I'm Lawrence Sherman, your host, and with me are Marissa Seligman, Chief of Clinical and Regulatory Affairs and Compliance Officer at PrimeMed, and Ray Saputelli, Executive Vice President from the New Jersey Academy of Family Physicians. We're here at the Alliance for Continuing Education for the Health Professions annual meeting, and we're going to talk a little bit about your experience with meetings and live education and the evolution of that for the practicing physicians. We think it's something that, that's been changing over time, and you may be able to provide the listeners with some really interesting insights of what you've learned. So I'm going to start with you, Marissa, okay? Uh, what have you seen change in meetings with respect to the learners as far as participation, interest, things that they're asking for? Absolutely. Live CME and continuing education is what clinicians value. What we have found in this age of media and technology is that they still want live education. Uh, we ran a survey and 71% of our clinicians, and we represent clinicians from across the U.S., reported to us that live CME is their preferred method of education for a number of reasons that we can go into later through the interview, Lawrence. But they very clearly and strongly indicated their preference for live, supplemented with online and reiterated with online and other electronic uh, supported uh, education, if you will. But really the live has a number of appealing features for them in terms of topic selection, faculty engagement, engagement with their peers, the ability to choose across a selection of topics, etc. So it's live is really their preferred. Right. So, so let's assume that the people who are listening to this uh, are some of those who prefer live. Ray, uh, what are some of the things that you see happening that may make enhancements or, or uh, a more improved and innovative live education experience? With, with much of the education that we provide, first to kind of echo what we just heard a little bit, busy primary care physicians, and I represent primary care physicians, busy primary care physicians often have to get out of their daily space to really engage. And that live education allows them to engage in a way that they may not be able to uh, when they're sitting behind their desk and, you know, when, when there's lots of competing stimulus for, for their attention, right, even in, in that area of live education. What we've seen then is that a lot of the live education we do is really built around trying to engage physicians in a way that's not the traditional lecture-based didactic small group learning, um, a lot of interactive dialogue between the clinicians. I still think that part of the live learning experience for, for physicians and clinicians is very much the socialization of that learning. It's their ability to come together and learn from each other. And I think that's really one of the things that we've seen at the New Jersey Academy of Family Physicians is, is this ability to really socialize the learning and engage, engage the learners in ways that the traditional, you know, when we think of live meetings, traditional didactic meetings, you know. Well, I was going to ask you about that. So, so um, you're, you're a state-run uh, organization, and Marissa, you're a more national with, with regional reach. And so do you notice differences regionally in preferences or expectations? And, and what would you tell practicing physicians uh, that they can do to enhance their educational experience when they're at those live events? Yeah, that's an excellent 
question, Lawrence, and we have seen differences. So very clearly, you, there's a distribution inequity, if you will, of clinicians across the U.S. In the highly densely populated portions of the U.S., there's a predominance of physicians. And then as you go into the more rural, remote areas, that, of course, decrements. And then uh, it, it's particularly with primary care and then specialists. So there's even less availability of specialists in the more uh, rural areas. So what we find is that uh, there needs to be the attention given on the national basis to these regional areas and their particular curriculum needs. So there are healthcare discrepancies that differ by, by the different areas, and we have to address those. And then the format comes into it. So the live education that we can provide to a more remote area it tends to be less periodic. They, they tend to not have as many live activities, so they get more supplemented on the online, or they come actually long distances. So when we do education in the more rural areas, people will drive routinely 100, 125 miles, 200 miles, no problem. They'll come to an education. Whereas uh, in a more urban setting, they, they tend to pick and choose amongst many more options that are available to them. But they all are demanding, I think, one thing, which is, as Ray said, innovation in education. It's not enough to just have the faculty by eminence give a lecture. You really have to engage the learners, and that's what they're demanding in the live setting. So, Ray, let's talk about those innovations. What are two or three things, trends, that you think may happen in live education that uh, practicing physicians can expect and, and hope to see? I think one of the biggest innovations that, that we've seen is that the education doesn't end the day that the lecture or the live program ends. There's not only a need but I think once the clinician is engaged, a desire for follow-up to that education, for the physician to be able to go back to his or her office, uh, employ some of what they've learned, measure what they do differently, possibly even in certain circumstances report back what they've done differently, uh, what's changed for them. And I think that does two things. First of all, it validates the educational experience for the clinician and the, and the you know, and the learner, for the learner. It also validates the educational uh, opportunity or the education for other stakeholders in, in medicine, you know, because it, 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 at the end of the day, why do we do this? We do this because we want to improve patient care. We want to help our physicians, our family physicians, deliver the best care at the appropriate time and in the appropriate manner, right? So, so if, if we can actually measure what we've done in a live setting, and demonstrate that that, that clinician-physician has actually changed what they do, um, I think that's that's one of the biggest. That That's that's excellent. Marissa, did you want to jump in on that one? I sure did because one of the things we are finding as well is that clinicians want us to help them balance and maintain their portfolio of learning and really help them keep track of this in their based on not only what they aspirationally want to learn, but at the practice setting, like what really is happening at the practice setting, and then driving them toward the education that they seek to do their practice improvements and the particular challenges in their practice. One thing getting back in terms of the remote versus the more urban uh, or the more rural versus the more urban setting physicians, many times 
the PCPs become the specialists in the areas because their specialists aren't there. So they need, for those areas, they need more detailed or more, uh, more information, education, action-based education that they can apply in their clinical practice to up their game and up their level of practice to supplement where the specialists are not there and then yet also be able to talk and dialogue with specialists that they can interact with to improve their practice. I think that's a very important point in understanding the differences of the needs of the learners, these practicing physicians really have very specific needs based on their practice setting. And as the providers, we're charged with knowing that and delivering that education that gets to them. For those just joining in, you're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Lawrence Sherman, and I'm speaking with Ray Sapiatelli from the New Jersey Academy of Family Physicians and Marissa Seligman from PrimeMed. We're talking about the state and future of live education for healthcare professionals. So, uh, Marissa, something you just said was really interesting. I, I think, and Ray, I think you said this as well. We're looking at a movement from passive to active education, right? So, so let's think about it from the learner perspective, from the, the practicing physician or healthcare professional perspective. What are some tips that you can provide them with so that they can be more active participants in a live educational setting? Marissa, why don't you jump in first? I would first uh, advise clinicians, look at your practice needs. Really validate what you're doing well and where your gaps are. And that helps you prepare for and direct your learning to where you really need. There, we all have this somewhat of an illusion for ourselves, like we think we're doing better than we are or we think we're doing worse than we are. Get the data for yourself. Really collect that information on yourself and help direct your learning to, to those activities. Then once in the activity, because you have prepared yourself, you're going to be that much more able to engage and connect with the faculty, connect with your peers. As Ray said, there's the certified education that happens in the classroom in a live or on completing a module online. But there's that informal education that you gather and you, you benefit from from your peer-to-peer, and your peers have excellent insights in terms of their practices and their challenges. And so I would advise them to really be engaged in the activity and use the technology that everyone it seems to have these days on smartphones and iPads, et cetera, to, again, help drive your experience. So one of the things we do, and I'm sure Ray provides this as well, we provide syllabi at Prime Ed, We provide it in advance of an educational activity. Download that syllabi. Get prepared on what's going to actually be presented and, again, match it against what your needs are in clinical practice. So that's a great practical pearl. It's prepare for the education if you have the time and you have the ability and, and look for that information. And, and, Ray, would you also say they should come with these clinical questions to say, listen, I'm not going to sit back and let you tell me what you think I need to know. I want, you to tell, I, I want to tell you what I need, and you help me find it. I think that's incredibly important, and I, I couldn't agree more with the idea that it's about the data. I would even go so far as to say it's not prepare for the education if I have the time. It's that right. part of the physician's world now needs to be about understanding the data that drives his or her practice. Understanding, you know, the, the old story remains true, right? Every physician thinks all of their diabetic patients are controlled. It's the, it's the physician down the street that has a problem with their diabetic patients, right? And then they look at data and they have this moment, right? And, and, and um, it's critical for physicians, clinicians, to come to the education and, and, and know what their gaps are. No, I don't always know what I don't know. But at least I know where the gaps are in my practice if I understand the data, if I'm looking at 
my patient population and the kind of care that I'm delivering. If I look at that data, I can come and I can ask the question, Lawrence, exactly what you just said. I can, I can then become the active participant in my education. So, so uh, Marissa, that's sort of moving from uh, a, a disparate to a connected learning experience. And, and, you know, something that I think about often is that there's very little framework for the practicing clinicians to embrace as far as how they should and, and where they should be getting their continuing education. Because it can't just come from one place. It's got to come from a variety of sources and and sort of fit their needs and preferences and all that. So um, in the remaining couple of minutes, why don't we think about what we can do and what you predict will happen uh, in the future as far as connecting live education with other live education or helping and giving, uh, you know, practical tips to practicing physicians of how to connect education. So Marissa, why don't you start with that? That's a terrific point, Lawrence, that it is an evolving field. Getting all of your clinical practice needs and your educational needs connected is is evolving, as I said, and it helps with technology. So through maintain if if I could recommend to clinicians to do this discipline, start maintaining an electronic records for your even if you don't have an electronic health record that that enables you to do this, you try to get one, but if not, really try to connect your clinical practice needs and your education, as, as Ray said, in a granular way. And do so by, uh, by recording, but also then start expecting and really demanding of the educational activities that you participate in that they have these kind of extended learning opportunities, the live, connected to the online connected to webcasts, et cetera, that circle around to your educational needs. And connect to the point of care. And connect to the point of care. Right? You, you've got the last word on this. Mm-hmm. And, and isn't that one of, the, one of the challenges that I think we have as an industry, as, a, as, a, as providers, is that while the live setting is still so important, the individualization of this education is such a challenge that I think what we need to be able to do is to connect to other educational opportunities, both in live and in remote in remote settings. That's our challenge. And I think as providers, we need to make sure that we keep our eye on that ball because learning is, you know, it, it's a continuum. And I think on that, I'm going to thank you both for participating. Many thanks to our guests, Marissa Seligman from PrimeEd and Ray Sapiatelli from the New Jersey Academy of Family Physicians. We've been discussing the state and the future of live education while we're here at the Alliance for Continuing Education in Health Professions annual meeting. Uh, I'm your host, Lawrence Sherman, and join us next time. Be sure to visit the website at ReachMD.com, featuring podcasts of this and other series. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to Lifelong Learning on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals, featuring thought leaders in the field of medical education. Lifelong Learning is presented in cooperation with the Alliance for Continuing Education in the Health Professions, the International Association of CME Professionals.